we're talking about gut health, 30 to 40% of the population will struggle at some point with some kind of bowel irritation. And I think it's really interesting that now doctors are starting to recommend CBT therapy for bowel-related problems because they're understanding that that's how our mind works and how the two, whichever way it's the first brain, second brain, or the other way around, how they talk to each other because those therapies can help. Welcome to the Mindful Paths podcast with Nick Day and Harry Kalimnios, where we explore the fascinating worlds of mindset, mindfulness, fitness, well-being, vitality, leadership, and personal development. Our goal is to provide you with the insights to help you live a more fulfilling, happier, and healthier life. If you're striving to be a better parent, friend, leader, colleague, or boss, or if you simply want to be more mindful and aware of the world around you, then this Mindful Paths podcast is for you. We invite you all to eavesdrop on our conversations and we challenge you to discover a new insight to help you on your own journey towards personal growth and positive change. So sit back, relax, and let's begin our journey together on the Mindful Paths podcast. There's a couple of things. I mean, I'm not an expert here, although my mum is funny enough because she's she's the founder of of Baby Sensory, which is the the biggest baby franchise in the UK. So um, I should probably be more of an expert now. My, My wife, as you know, used to run Baby Sensory classes, which is all about baby brain development what i do know in terms of the heartbeat though don't forget as well babies have been inside the womb right close to mother's heart for an awful long time so their soothing sound has been a heart rhythm for an awful long time so it's also what we know and there's always comfort in routine there's always comfort in what we're familiar with so there's a bit of a heartbeat there but i think what's really interesting two things that came to mind when you're talking i don't it's brand new to me i don't know anything about heart math that i will never claim to i think uh, your observations with the babies is an interesting one because when we link that to well-being I'll, you know, I'll say well-being is innate. When we're born, we don't have all the layers of, of stuff that clogs our mind with all the different challenges and problems that we, that we layer it with. Babies' well-being, they only want a couple of things. So when they wake up in the middle of the night, I know from my mum's um, guidance, if you like, often they cry, not because they need anything, but beyond security. They need to know you're still there. It's a survival mm-hmm. mechanism. Is someone going to come to me? Yes. Oh, good. My parents still here. I'm safe. I can settle again. So we have, you know, otherwise they're pretty, pretty happy most of the time, children. And we, they become, become more complex when we start to layer them with social media or the other challenges, which are all external typically. So the, if they want to go back to their root, their heart, their gut, the things you're talking about there, we can do that, but it can be a really challenging journey. Now, I know um, we talked about this actually um, earlier on, and I love my parables, but there's a, quite a, a really famous one that most people may or well have heard of, which is a professor who studying Zen wants to learn how they can become more Zen. And they goes to, go to a Zen master and says to them, you know, I want to know how I can become more Zen. And I've been studying this and I've, I've done this and I've read this, but I'm just not feeling that, that feeling of enlightenment you seem to have. Anyway, the, the Zen master says, sit down and enjoy a cup of tea with me. And sits, sits the professor down and he starts to pour a cup of tea. And he keeps pouring and keeps pouring and the, the glass starts spilling over and tea's going all over the floor. And the professor says, stop, stop. You know, you're absolutely decimating that cup of tea it's going everywhere it's spilling everywhere and the zen master simply says like the cup of tea first we need to empty the cup and in your mind with all these things you'll never find enlightenment when your your mind is so full you need to empty the mind and then we can refill it with really with the things that really make you happy or whatever it is that you're looking for and i think there's a lot of unclogging many of us can do to go full circle going back to you know the, the solved by walking solved to Amalando. we can just unclog the mind, make a big well, difference. Yeah. What, what I thought was really interesting, not just that babies' well-being is innate, they have it when they're born, and we end up layering it and make it more complex, is why adults are sometimes way more complicated um, in, that, in that instance. I don't know anything about my, um, 
heart math, but I do know that the people do, and you might know the link here, particularly reading about it at the moment, but there's a lot of new science and linking this to what you said, as we're always trying to decide new things about gut microbes and what happens inside. This is all relatively new, what happens in our digestive systems. And a lot of people now talk about our digestive system as being our second brain, the way that it reacts in terms of its, um, and they call it, I think they call it the second brain or little brain. Well, yeah, I, I would actually call it the nervous system and carry on. Yeah. No, it's just really interesting. So I, obviously being someone who studied nutrition and I'm a big fan of nutrition and certainly in a sporting capacity and how that can influence the body and the different supplements that one might take to increase performance and, and things that may prohibit performance and things like that. I find the gut health thing really interesting. And I've got a bit of an experimental journey when I've had a few treatments and different things that have done to try and see if it has an impact on me. But I'd never heard of it called the second brain until, yeah. and I was like, ah, oh, so there's a real how it all links together. I think it's really interesting. More than, and I like I say, I think it's the first brain, and because the the, the, the brain in the head has has a bit of a filter, and we start to talk to ourselves, second guess ourselves. The the, the brain in the gut doesn't, and so you, that's why people talk about having a gut feeling, and actually maybe you should often yeah. go with your gut feeling. Now always go with your gut feeling this is why i was saying thinking brain feeling brain you use both not just one or the other but talking about the gut and mood and and this is where i i i really differ with mainstream science in terms of treating things like uh depression for example right so depression often is thought as being and i think this is now starting to be dismissed a little bit but uh, about a serotonin imbalance or um and everything and I think it's now been shown that SSRIs don't work in the way that we expected, like uh, selective serotonin re reuptake inhibitors. 90%, 95% of the serotonin, where is that produced? It's not in the brain. No, no, I, I know this. Yeah. Where is it? Didn't, well, it's already, well, it's, well, actually, people don't realise we talk about our digestive system. It's where we absorb all our nutrients and where we release all yeah. our enzymes and where everything lives. So that, if that's not optimised, Properly, so then we don't get to release the right hormones. We don't get the right things into our system. So you're looking at treating like a low serotonin or depression, and you're not looking, and I know depression is a big topic, so we're not going to go into it, but if you're not looking at those things, the gut, right, the immune health, right, your immune health is, your immune system is in the gut. And so if you're not focused on that you're not going to have a high strong immune uh, immune system um but going back to your example of the cup and um, one of the things that you know where you you can't fill the cup if with stuff if you're still filled with other things the, the way i analogize that example and going back to walking is people will say you've got to walk a, a mile in someone else's shoes and i say yeah but in order to walk a mile in someone else's shoes you have to first take yours off that means in this in this metaphor, the shoes are your beliefs, your preconceptions, yeah. your baggage, everything else. And and a lot of the time, people are trying to walk a mile. They say they're walking a mile in someone else's shoes, but they're actually trying to put to wear their shoes. Same but, shoes back on, yeah, yeah. Sure. And it doesn't really work. Um, so that's kind of what I wanted to say on on, on all of that, really. Um, I've put some of my experimentation. I mean, my, my, my wife actually got this for me for a birthday present, right? I don't think many wives look at their husband, but I had a, a chronic irrigation treatment uh, oh, a while ago. Yeah. But, you know, I, 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 we'll do, we're going to talk about sleep on a, on a later episode, but I've suffered from insomnia all my life. And it was something that people talk about the link between gut health and sleep. And yet your sleep, typically we think about being in our brain and our mind. And yet it's the gut that can have a really positive impact. So I had the treatment 
what also was interesting, which got me on the kind of start, the wheels turning in relation to gut microbes and, and well, not to the level that you have, but as an interest there for me, I didn't realize how new science it was. But actually, the first thing they give or they gave me after the chronic irrigation treatment was all the good bacteria yeah. to replenish the thing yeah. they've just cleaned out. And you think, oh, I didn't even know that had to do this. We see, we see that in the adverts out there for various brands promoting stuff. But actually, now I, I do take a supplement daily that hopefully improves my gut health with the amount of good bacteria that goes back in that helps with that absorption of, of enzymes and, and the absorption or release of yeah. enzymes and the absorption of nutrients. Um, I just thought that was really interesting. And by the way, I'd recommend the treatment. It's, it's an interesting one. I, well, you, you wouldn't be surprised to know I've done that many times before. Um, I haven't. I didn't know you had actually, but it doesn't surprise me. No, it doesn't surprise me. I haven't actually done it for a few years. So I've done lots of different things. I, I've done what you'll call colonic irrigation or colonic hydrotherapy. So you go somewhere and to not put it too bluntly. Water, for those, water goes up and stuff water goes up, up where where normally things are coming out. And yeah. so you to allow and relax and allow something to go in there. And someone massages it out and things come out and all of that. Um, but my one of my first videos on YouTube, so if you go onto my YouTube channel, which is The Thought Gym uh, on YouTube, I think if you search by the oldest video, one of the oldest videos, around 12 years ago, I went to Thailand and we did one of these detox weeks fasting. And, and as part of that, we had to do twice daily self-administered administered columns a columnar is somewhat similar to colonic irrigation but effectively what you have is a big bucket with about two liters of coffee and about 10 liters of warm water it's hanging up and you have a, a columnar board which you rest on the side of something and then the toilet and you have to self-administer this this tube up where the sun doesn't shine allow for this flush in and out in and out in and out it doesn't go as far as a, a professional colonic irrigation and you do that twice a day for like seven days. And I, I actually did lose, and obviously I wasn't eating as well for a week, but I lost about seven kilos, which mostly didn't come back for years, years later. But on the last treatment, you have a special, effectively good bacteria concoction yeah. that you're putting up there because that, that's where it needs to go, right into, into the gut, not, not going past the digestive system and, and losing out things. Because you, a lot you, of had me, you had me at coffee. You had me at coffee. Yeah. And so you, you have that. And there's another one called an enema, which is similar to a columnar, but slightly different. But rest assured, if you do watch the video, I'm only showing you the before and after and not actually showing you me but, doing it. <laughs> I mean, I, you're, you may have heard with the NHS, may call it cutbacks, may call it other things, right? But they are, doctors now are prescribing less, uh, certainly in my case, um, insomnia-based medication. We're trying to recommend other therapies like CBT, right, as an example. Uh, particularly with those suffering with uh, depression or, again, not taking that course here, but even people with, with bowel problems, we're talking about gut health, 30 to 40% of the population will struggle at some point with some kind of bowel irritation. And I think it's really interesting that now doctors are starting to recommend CBT therapy bowel-related problems because yeah. they're understanding that that's how our mind works and how the two, whichever way it's the first brain, second brain, or the other way around, how they talk to each other because yeah. those therapies can help. And yeah. I think that's really interesting. You know, I'm not, I don't know where I sit with it, with CBT I in relation to that, but it's obviously... You know, I think it sits thing. well because, because, like, for example, I say to people, even if, like, when you eat, when you're stressed, your food is digested, well, it's not really digested, it's digested in a very different way than if you eat when you're relaxed. So if you're really stressed and you're eating a, a nice healthy salad, it's actually not going to be absorbed in the same way as 
someone enjoying their Big Mac, for example, and you're better yeah. off having the Big Mac and enjoying it than eating a stressed out salad to some degree. That's a bit of an extreme example. But the point I'm trying to make is that you're, it, when you're stressed, you effectively go into fight or flight. When you go into fight or flight, the only thing that your brain needs to do is divert resources to your heart, arms, legs, and and uh, and that's basically it. Lungs as well, because you need to go into that. So it doesn't need things like its digestive system, and doesn't need its yeah. immune system, and anything like that. Because the example I give, if you if you're face to face with a tiger or a lion, and then there's also some sort of random virus floating around, the most immediate threat to you right there is the lion or the tiger, not the virus that might kill you in two weeks' time. And so. Sure body says, look, if I don't survive the next five minutes, it doesn't matter what's going to happen in the next five days. So I need to divert everything I can to get out of this situation. So nothing that doesn't need to work is going to work right now, including my digestive system, my immune system, and all of that. So when you eat when you're stressed, you're going to have more issues, which is, and, and by stressed, I mean, it could be as simple as reading your emails whilst, whilst eating, or even sometimes watching TV, which is... But there's a I huge amount... People, people can Google it. There's a huge amount of evidence out there that links um, the microbiomes and, and, and good bacteria and, and the things we take on and our mental health. Oh, yeah. Loads of it. And how our digestive system, our, our, our nervous system is impacted by the things that we eat. And in terms of our digestion, now you and I are very, we'll get to it definitely on a different show, very different diets and different foods that we choose. Although we both have, you know, both consciously aware of what we're eating, which I think is important. But um, yeah, people are struggling and they don't know. Where they're, you know, why they're feeling so low. We talked about your, some of your, and it fits into your beat model as well here, but we talked about sometimes you feel low because you haven't had enough social connection. Sometimes I feel low because I haven't had enough physical, you know, that fills my bucket. But actually a lot of this as well can be, can be just based on our diet and, and how it's impacting oh, yeah. our digestive system. So it's making us feel low, and yet we're blaming external circumstances for that feeling. No. We're blaming the feelings on things we see externally when actually we couldn't do, a, I'm not saying those things aren't impacting, but they may be having a greater impact if our gut health is You have right. to sort that out. I mean, you were talking about sleep before, and, and, and we were talking offline. I mean, I haven't suffered with uh, insomnia like you have. Um, and when we talk about the sleep, you know, I'll give my, my story. But effectively, it, it was, you know, take me an hour or so to get to sleep, wake up lots of times and, and so on. But I did many, many changes over a period of a couple of years that ultimately resulted in me falling asleep pretty much straight away and everything. But one of the things that I did notice a big change was when I changed my diet, that things changed massively. And I never gave diet much of a thought, but when I think about our body, our body is constantly dying off and regenerating. Like every cell pretty much in our body is not the same as it was even seven years ago. Things change on a uh, daily, in some cases, to monthly basis. That Our entire body is different from what it was seven years ago, except for, I think, maybe parts of the brain. And what has that been? What is, what, what is the new building material coming from? The new building material that is building your cells is coming from the things you put in your mouth. And so if you put crap into you, your new cells are being built with crap. That's essentially it. Yeah, and when I mean, there's a good like, example here. There's a, there's, a new, there's a book out there, I can't remember the name. Uh, Emily, is it Emily? The, she's known as the glucose goddess. Well, I'm not a big fan, as you know, of any kind of diet fads and things like that. But it, it, there's some merit in some of the things that she says. But one of the things she talks about is 
and we know this, and you'll know this to be true, but the listeners may not, that when you think of a calorie, it's not just calories in, calories out, and therefore that's how you'll lose weight because not all calories are the same. And, and number one is half the calorie things you see on packets have been correct by about up to 30% anyway. And there's a lot of American studies that have proven this, but what you see on a packet is rarely accurate. But also what's really interesting in terms of when people get their, their pangs for extra food, you think we can healthy because we've got this diet-based bar that has low sugar, no fat, whatever. But when she went, and you'll know this, we've had a conversation with this about milk in the past, and there's studies out there about full fat milk being actually way better than anything that's been in the semi sort of the skin that's been stripped out of all the goodness. And there's little things, different studies, and we may disagree, and we'll go into nutrition conversation in more detail another day. But what I thought was really interesting is when the foods we eat, the, the more natural we go, um, the more organic it is in the way that it's compared to anything that's processed, it does impact the way that we take that food on internally so if there's more than i don't know 10 ingredients on a particular food it's going to and it's low sugar or low fat whatever it's going to be full of other chemicals our body's not used to it doesn't recognize it so when we eat it we think we're full because we've had the same amount of calories even less calories than something that's higher but actually our body goes well there's a spike here this doesn't i don't recognize this ingredient or i might need more food or there's your brain takes longer to adapt to what it's eating so therefore it doesn't know it's full yet and it all these little micro um, chemical reactions going on in our bodies mean that we we it has a totally different reaction. So it's yeah. not just about the calorie we take; it's about how's that impacting our brain? Is that making us fall quicker later? Is it taking on those? Is it absorbing those calories in our gut? Is it not? These things have been designed you know. by food scientists with multiple PhDs designed to get you to eat more of them. If, my my simple thing is if it's if it's made in a plant and not made predominantly with plants don't eat it if it's got an advertising campaign to convince you to buy it yeah yeah don't eat it. avoid it if it's if it's built for shelf life instead of stealth life probably don't eat it and that's about as simple as i can get it Anything- my wife this is true my wife bought so i'm going to stop you just because it's a really interesting observation and i obviously for my my nutrition courses i did years ago i've always had this in the back of my mind and I, by the way it tasted dreadful so granola is not particularly good for you anyway right but I, i'm a big fan so i've got it but how can I know? She went and got the low sugar stuff. Number one, it was actually more calories than the one that had no thing to do with no sugar. No, no sugar. More calories than the original one we used to have. It tasted terrible. And the ingredients list was about 10 times longer. Mm. And yet what the, the advertising on the packet is just no, you know, no added sugar or, or 50% less sugar or whatever. But it was way worse than what we were eating before, which A, tasted better. And I'm, by the way, I'm saying it. Granola is not the best breakfast, and I understand that. So I'm going to make a little caveat. I just enjoy it, so I'll, I'll continue to have it. But I won't have the low, the low sugar stuff. We get so pulled in by the marketing, as you were just mentioning there. But yeah, yes. Again, keeping it simple. The, the only thing, when you go into a supermarket, the, the only bit of shopping you need to do is around the outside. Everything in the middle aisles is effectively going to kill you in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> is my simple way of putting it. Um, but um, but I guess like. And and what's so is so important is that food is not just food. Food is information. Food is information. And I'm going to go a little bit esoteric here because when we think about, and this is something that I've been thinking about a lot for the last few years, but food is trap. What we're actually eating, and this links us back to being outdoors, is we're eating, we're, we're eating sunlight. Believe it or not, we're eating sunlight. And and what do I mean by that? Whether you eat plants or animals doesn't really matter because the animals are eating the plants anyway. 
that, those plants are developing because of the sun and the and actually there's a trans there's a transmission of information that's going to those plants in some way shape or form and you're eating trapped information and when you're eating processed ultra processed rubbish you're not you're having bad information put to your body effectively. This is as simple as I can put it, even though this sounds a bit wacky and a bit out there. And that's why it's so important to eat real food because you're going to get the information that your body actually needs uh, and recognizes as real food. Whereas when you're eating processed stuff, it's been, and obviously we have to eat some level of processed stuff, like a can of chopped tomatoes is processed. Um, pretty much, but what we're talking about here is really ultra processed things. And like you say, food with ingredients longer than five or six yeah. things is going to be not things not with right. added iron or whatever like even today for example doesn't even, even absorb the iron i was in um now i don't eat bread right but occasionally i like a little bit of sourdough bread and like everything that's supposedly healthier the big markets get on the bandwagon and they put labels on things now you go to tesco's and sainsbury's and you see sourdough bread it's not really sourdough bread. And I was trying to find some sourdough bread for my dad because he doesn't want to give up his bread. And we're trying to get him eating a little bit better. And the gluten within sourdough, because it still has wheat in it, uh, is because it's fermented longer, it's effectively the inflammatory part of it seems to dilute somewhat. But sourdough bread effectively should just have three things in it. And that is wheat or flour, uh, I think salt and water. I think that's basically it. And they and I was trying to read on what online earlier about how to discern sourdough from fake sourdough, where they label it as sourdough. And that's basically it. If it's got more than that, and if it says it's got yeast in it, it's not real sourdough. If it's got anything more than those three things, and it doesn't say it's got like a, a leaven starter, then it's not real sourdough. And I was trying to get real sourdough for my dad. I didn't manage it in the end, so I bought the fake sourdough. I mean, but, you know, people will try and catch up to anything. You, you follow a much healthier diet than me. I, you know, I, I don't have actually that, that many processed foods, but I do eat some. But I do know that... All the I ate chocolate brownie do, today, by the way, so it wasn't that healthy. Good lad. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Actually, I've been quite good today. But um, what I do remember from doing all the study is ultimately it came down to the fact, really simple thing was try and have five different colours on your plate of, you know, organically grown things. That, if they're all different colours, so a whole plate of just green, actually... Is not as good as half plate of green. You can get the other colours in. It's all about the colours because colours give you an idea of what nutrients are in the food. So always try and get. That's why a bento box and Japanese diet so healthy, right? They've got all the different diet, different colours mm. in different compartments, and it, it, it attracts the eye anyway. But yeah. the colour gives you an idea of what nutrients will be in the food. So you have purple, have green, have red, have orange, have yellow, whatever. That's one thing that we learned, which is really simple. Actually, break it down with all these different millions of darts out there. Yeah. Different coloured, natural organic foods. Also, things like nuts and seeds, anything that creates life, <laughs> ultimately. So if you're vegan, you may not eat eggs. For me, I, I, I absolutely adore eggs. But things that create life are typically also packed full of nutrients. So you know, seeds are going to be packed full of iron, calcium, magnesium, whatever it is, different B vitamins, it's, this is why this why if it creates life it's natural it's usually really really nutrient dense and that's this is why i put the avocado stone in my smoothie that people are always surprised by that i don't think put, i knew that yeah i, don't think I knew when, that when when i put my avocado in I, I i effectively put half an avocado so i i i cut straight through the stone and i put half of the avocado in the fridge on a plate so it doesn't go 
crazy. And then I put the, and then whenever people around, and I think we discussed, you may, maybe you'll come and stay with me one one week when you're up into. Yeah, the yeah I'm looking forward to doing it. And and whenever I'm showing them the the smoothie, making the smoothie, and they're like, "What well, you put the stone in?" I'm going, "Yeah," because actually most of the antioxidants are coming from the stone. And it's the thing that's creating life. It's creating more of these things. You want that. So absolutely. I know that I, the only things I'll do that, I know with kiwi, you can put the skin in. And I know for ginger, the whole lot of ginger, I love ginger in the smoothies. Ginger. Oh yeah, ginger, I've got everything. If 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 I've bought organic, if I haven't, then I cut the edges off. But yeah, this way you're slightly more disciplined than me. I just, just get what I've got probably from the local. No, I, I tend to have an organic delivery every week of, of various things that I know that I'm going to use a lot of. Um, but yeah, because if we if we don't keep, and I know this isn't a bit of food program, but it's if we don't keep our gut healthy and I then our, our first brain or our second brain, if we want to call it that, is not going to be on point. It's not going to be tuned in. And I guess the thing I want to go back to as well with the heart math stuff, because I don't feel I've done it justice. And I would really, really love it if people looked into heart math in a bit more detail. But one of the things that they talk about doing is is about getting into what's called a coherent state. So where your brain waves and your heart waves marry up. And when we get stressed, like we're feeling nervous, anxious, which a lot of people have anxiety nerves. One really simple technique is called the freeze frame. And... uh, essentially if i remember it correctly because it's been a while since i've taught it is when you're in a situation a sticky situation where you're about to stress out you're really anxious or you're about to go into an interview and and everything's going on is you just pause like you would pause a video so you imagine yourself being in this movie and you pause so you just pause close your eyes and then you start breathing in and out of your heart. So even though you're breathing in and out of your nose, you need to visualize and imagine that it's it's coming in and out of the heart. Yeah. And so you breathe in and out of the heart three, five, ten times, something like that. And then you start to picture something that makes you feel calm, right? Let's say for me, it might be playing with my nieces. For you, it might be hanging out with your kids or whatever, right? So you picture that, and then you just allow your gut to create an answer for you like you know what would be the best way for you to behave in this situation or act in this situation and you just allow what comes up and it's a really really powerful and simple technique that has had profound results with lots of people and i i really recommend it to people it's as simple as pausing five to ten breaths through the heart thinking about a calm situation could be you walking down the beach and then allowing the gut to speak to you allowing the gut instinct to kick in I have, a, I have a, a, a thing that I do something similar. I haven't, I've never done it with the heart. I'm going to practice that. So if I'm in a situation, I'll take seven breaths. For me, I don't know why it's seven. I just find seven is it. I'll try and in that moment, during those seven breaths, I'll always try and put myself in the other person's. It's usually it's in someone else. It's frustrating. Typically, if you're stressed about something, there's usually another human involved. In my experience, anyway. Right? So I'll try and put myself in their shoes during those seven breaths. What's their perspective? How have I looked at it from a different view? Different view, different window, looking at the street, right? whatever it is. What's their view? How have I looked at this the wrong way? You know, and try and just calm it down. And obviously our thoughts change and I'll try and notice the thoughts that come in. And I find seven breaths, seven slow breaths. I'm usually a little bit calmer and I've thought about it a little bit more rationally. I haven't reacted too fast. And I find that's massively helpful. What I've never done, and I will try it, is link or even consider linking that breath work. And I don't do anything like the amount of breath work that you do. That's about the only breath work I do with it. But I've never really considered linking it to what my heart's doing. And that's really interesting. I quite yeah. like the idea. The heart is so powerful because, like I said, we have a field that emanates eight feet away from us. This is why I think that being on the tube, like the underground in London, is such a nightmare. Because if you think about it, 
there's all these heart fields that are completely overlapping with one another in a message. Yeah. No wonder people feel a lot of the time stressed or miserable or whatever it might be on the tube because you're you're feeling all these other conflicting heart fields. Um, I really recommend the book. Um, one thing I'm, I'm conscious of time, but I wanted to say something that I wanted to mention before, which when you were talking about you and your you and uh, Lucy and being present with one another and her version yeah. of being different to yours, it's uh, it's a bit like when I talk about values. <laughs> In the first book I wrote, The Thought Gym, there's a whole chapter on values, right? Which is effectively what's important to us in life. So what are and we have different values for life, different values for sport, sure. different, different things. And the way that you, you figure that out is you say, you know, what's important to me in X? And then you list all those things. Now, let's say that both you and your partner or whoever, your top value is love, right? Or connection. That still doesn't mean that you're going to think the same way about it. And, and what's underneath that is the belief. So what is the thing that has to happen in order for that value to be met? So, for example, if you're both of your values is connection or love, for one person, they believe that to feel connected to another person, they need to hold hands and spend at least an hour a day with them or whatever. For the other person to feel connected, they might feel that when they speak, the other person is waiting patiently, listening, taking on board what they say, and then responding. And if those beliefs are different, which they will be, everyone will have different beliefs about those same values, then the, then that's why you might feel like, hang on a sec, we both think the same things are important, so why is it not working? So both of you are saying, oh, we're both present, but actually, I would actually argue Lucy's present because she's there in the moment. You feel like you're present, but yet if your mind is thinking about the future, is it is it really present? Is is well, maybe, my... maybe, well, that's that's your definition. So that's that's yeah. how how you view presence. And actually, I don't know if I've ever ever had that kind of state. But my my nature of being present and my my internal nature is is that way of thinking. Is is thinking? I have a different viewpoint as you would have, or Lucy would have. But what's interesting that we can talk about that in more detail because I've got the analysis of it. If you want to on another, on another show, what I think is really interesting is it's nuanced though. What you say, I agree with on values, but I'm not a big fan of listing them in the way that you suggested. I think mm -hmm. if you list them, it can become, so at least my wife's favorite word is like, it's got to be organic. Now, if I say to Lucy, I need this, you take away the organic nature, the, the true nature of what the value really is if you have to end up listing what they are. What I do know is if me and Lucy ever fall out, which is very rare, even though we're very different on this Gallup study in particular, we're you know, interested, there was four different colors that you kind of fall in, into those boxes. And we had the two different colors. So together we make a whole, which I thought was quite nice. Whether they sold that to us or not, I don't know, but it was quite nice watching it. We have two different colors and they complement. But I'm definitely more needy in terms of that, that love connection, right? I, I need more hand holding. I need more, I need her to tell me more, uh, even though I know it to be true. I like that reinforcement. I need that for me. Lucy doesn't, which is really weird. So for me, I, I we have we, we grew up differently. So in my family, the word love was used probably more frequently than it was in Lucy. It's not to say there was any less love in their family. It's just the different upbringings. She doesn't need it. She just needs. She just knows. She just knows it's true. So mm. I don't need to tell her. She just knows it's there. She knows it in the way that we are with each other. And yet I still do. But the minute I say to her, I need it, and I tell her. Then it becomes like, well, she, you start questioning it. Well, she's saying it because I've told her, not because I want it to come out organically. So I think everything you said is true, but it has to be nuanced. Have, if you listen you too read, much, make it an equation. That's what I want to go. If you make it an equation, it loses its true, its true essence, uh, its true nature. Uh, two that's, things that's I was saying on that. About is, firstly, with the values, 
the exercise is is a self-reflective exercise so it's not necessarily the one that you you necessarily need to share and values ultimately help you determine how you make decisions a lot of the time in life and i think it's a bigger conversation that uh, we we could talk about with that but the other question i was going to ask you was about the book have you i haven't read it myself but i've read bits of it the love languages book five love languages you know no. that would be really interesting to read because it talks about how you give and express love because you tend to give love in the way that you want to receive it so i think there are five love languages one is uh like gifts as it were one is acts of service another one is touch and things like that so if you want so far i think my love language is acts of service like so how do i know that people like love me is through the things they do rather than them holding my hand or, or hugging me or, or saying it and i remember this before i knew about love languages because when i was with an ex-girlfriend years and years ago this is probably 20 almost 20 years ago and this is back when i was a big meat eater by the way when i realized that she really cared about me is because one day i saw her in the kitchen and she had never done this before because she was uh i think uh, the religion was jane it's like a hindu religion so they don't eat meat and things like that if she was in there i think she was on the phone to her friend because she was like trying to figure out how to cook sausages and bacon and she was making me this big fry up as part of a, a valentine's thing or, or whatever it was i think it was valentine's morning actually and and then i in that in that moment i thought ah oh, she must really love me or care for me because she's doing these acts of service or another time when someone came to surprise me at the airport and all of these things whereas if you don't know that if if for example your your you know your your partner needs you to um tell them all the time that they love you but you're always doing it by acts of service and they say to you, well, you never tell me that you love me. You never, like, say all this stuff. We go, but I, I, think, I'd find this do that. I think I'd find this book quite difficult. I yeah, I will. No, I, no, I, I, need, I need that from Lucy. But actually, I think love is uh, interesting. Looking back to science, you can't really measure it, in, it scientifically, which I think is fascinating anyway, right? We know it exists, and yet we'll easily dispel God because we can't see it, but we won't dispel that. That's another thing. But I think love is part of our true nature. So I think for you, you only... You realized it because you needed that validation. That was still your own thoughts dictating the feelings behind it. She would have done that irrespective. She wasn't, that's just part of her true nature to be doing that for you because she did it in that moment, linked to your feelings and your thoughts. Your thoughts said to you, Oh, she does love me. That's good. That links to a good feeling of, oh, because you needed that validation. Probably because if you really break it down to some of its parts, and you may disagree with me here, because somewhere deep in your gut, there was a lack of trust somewhere or a lack of, understand or a lack of belief in that she felt that way for you because you needed that validation in the first place well, so I, to need I, that validation there must be something somewhere deep inside innately sure saying to you something missing i think the word understanding is more appropriate and that's why i think it's called love languages it's like if i'm speaking french and you're speaking german and we don't speak each other's languages we don't know that you're asking me to pass the soul or but you can still be 100 in love with someone for two different languages yeah you're still in love but the point is if you're not communicating well and you're not communicating the way the other person needs that communication you're going to have a cross dialect thing going on that's that's the I point I, I just think if it's, it doesn't mean that love organic, doesn't exist goes back to the organic bit if, if you have to fight that hard to find that 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 um parity communication I mean, agreement 
I think it's probably doomed to fail before you start. Read, read, People have found read, love. You don't read a PDF summary. Read, read a PDF summary of it, if not the whole book, because it might it yeah. might explain it better than me. But uh, I would also read the heart map. I'm conscious of time, and actually, I want to bring it back to your Gallup thing, um, just because I'm not necessarily a big fan either of all these different. No, I'm definitely not. Right. It, it, it was a few interesting insights. I mean, they're interesting, but a lot of time with these surveys and these uh, assessments, they, they give you back what you put in, right? In fact, that's how they, they do it. Of course it, right? they do, because you have to fill in a questionnaire to get the yeah, results. You fill in a questionnaire and it tells you what you affected. And your... if I filled it in the following day, the, the results already know. Because it's also how you're uh, feeling in that moment. But it does remind me, I've got something that I worked on and I developed for a number of years. So I don't know if you've done it. And actually, I'll, I'll send you a unique link if you want, rather than the one... I'll share with people now, which they can get on the thoughtgym.com, but it's effectively what I call the energy audit. And what that is, is there's a very... I, love energy. I, I, I do it with my clients, massive believe. I let you explain it, but so, I have my own one as well, which I've created. It's, it's, a big, it's a big audit. It's about 80 questions long. And I used it as part of my final year dissertation for my master's in health and well-being and validated its, uh, its results. <laughs> Effectively, what it is, is it's a solution-based questionnaire. So instead of saying, asking a question like, I feel, do you feel stressed, right? Or I feel stressed from time to time, agree, strongly agree, disagree, etc. Because all of that does is at the end, it will come back to you and it will say, you feel stressed, you should do some stress reduction stuff, whatever. Instead, what I do with this questionnaire is it gives you the solution in the question. And then it asks you to respond how closely you align to that that solution effectively and it gives you if you never read any single book on health well-being but all you did was this questionnaire it will tell you 90 percent of what you need to know i would say yeah I, I, what you do is you get back and you you get back at the moment the average person if they go to the thoughtgym.com they'll get back a report it's not in the way that i do it with my individual clients with my individual clients i i put them into four brackets and you get i've got five on mine that's interesting well, so get, i don't I was, you have 80 questions so for me i haven't enjoyed it you have energizers one side i have drainers on the other because we, we often overlook the things that take energy away from us and i just have people i've got in front of me what people places projects habits and thoughts Put that on one side those that give you energy those that don't and list well, those send, things down send me yours because i'd like to see yours and I, i'll do I'll mine the way i do it with clients is the reason it's four buckets is because each bucket and roughly 20 questions per bucket is to do with the, the beat model, brain, elements, activity, tranquility. Sure. So if you each of those four have got roughly 20 questions, you end up with four pie charts at the end. And depending on how well you've scored with each of those, those, those questions, you'll get either a, oh, it's a radar chart effectively. You'll get a full let's say you scored 10 out of 10 on every single question you get a complete circle and it'll be as big as it can possibly be most people aren't going to get that they'll get like a three there they'll get a five there and they'll be very jagged and i normally say to my clients imagine if these four wheels because effectively you get four wheels at the end of it but they are usually very jagged and imagine if your car was driving with those four wheels how bumpy would your ride through life be if that was your wheel <laughs> And it really opens people up. So I, I'm happy to send you the private link because this one I have to do. Some. Yeah, send it over. I've, I've already emailed you the questionnaire. Oh, perfect. So I'll send you the link that I've got. It takes me a bit of work to, to formulate it, but effectively gives you what you need to work on or what you could work on in order to find more energy, vitality and so on. And it will give you the solution in the question rather than asking you something that will then just 
But it, it may be that you can make the one I've sent you available on your website as well for people. But what I'd say is, and yours is obviously way more complex than mine, if people want to have a, a quick, and obviously the good thing is we're both 100% aligned on how important these things can be, right? There are, there are, we've got things that give us energy. We've got things that take energy away from us. For me, I've list the people that give you energy, the people that give it away, the places that give you energy, your happy place, the places that don't, the projects you're involved in that do, the projects that don't, the habits that do, the habits that don't, and the thoughts that do, the thoughts that don't. I've said it to you, very, very simple. No one yeah, as complex or as detailed as yours. But yeah, mine um, is very different, you'll see. But it will take about 20 minutes for mine to fill out. You, you, you just have to read the questions, pick between yeah. one and 10. And, and then when I get around to it, it takes me a, a little while to, to get but You are more scientific in the way you do things to me, let's be fair. So well, yeah, yeah, because I was able also to show um, that clients that, that did that and followed those things, especially with coaching, they had up to 200% increased energy over eight week period by. So I, th- I think that's the difference. You, you, you're monitoring the impacts in terms of energy percentages. So when I'm coaching clients, it's probably a slightly different thing because I'm getting them to, it doesn't really matter. What The key thing is we're both aligned on this can be a really powerful exercise to do. Um, so whether you get it from Harry's site or if you want to make mine available, I'm happy to do that or contact me and I'll send you the energy order I send to clients. It can be really helpful. Um, but close to time, we've rabbited on. We might have to, yeah, we've gone on and on. Parts, Harry. I think we started in one space and ended somewhere else. We never know where it's going to go. We've talked about gut health, yes. nutrition, two brains, and sun, yeah. and, and heart, heart math solution. I do recommend people if they want a book to read, check out the heart math solution. Uh, really, I'm going to I'm going to try that because I do the seven breaths. So I'm going to try and link it to my heart. And there is a lot of phenomenon out there. Maybe there is. I haven't googled this to understand, but I always find it really interesting that for women, that if you're in a community of women, the, the menstrual cycle eventually comes together. I think that's just Things we don't, you know, maybe that is understood. I haven't looked at the science behind it, but as something that I know happens, I think it's yeah. these are the things well, right? we can come in tune in, in very clever ways. Our body we're all connected. We're all yeah. so connected. And I mean, this is a bigger topic, but one thing that, uh, and we don't really talk about COVID and pandemic stuff here, but one thing that COVID, I think, taught us all is we're all connected through the breath. Like we are literally, every, every, every time we breathe in, we're breathing in like, 100,000 atoms of Marilyn Monroe and JFK and things like that. It's really crazy when you start getting into this. But COVID, if anything, it taught us that, that we're all connected through the breath because we were sharing each other's breath. That's the whole reason why it spread, right? Was it was it Newton's law where energy never goes, it just goes from what it moves on, doesn't it? No energy stays yeah, constant. Well, yeah. Maybe that's, we'll we'll be, get into another conversation. Maybe we'll leave it can there. can be created or destroyed. It's just trans. trans- Burden. Just transit moves on. So um, the energy that, that Marilyn Monroe had is still in the in the ether yeah. somewhere. Being used. Yeah, I mean, I can I can go into quantum physics of it all. I find it all fascinating, all this stuff. So do I. Yeah, this is good. Well, listen, this is good. There's lots of stuff to talk about in future episodes. Harry, um, conscious of your time, sir. Thank you. It's been good to have a chat. I don't know where we how we whistle stop round what we have today. We kind of I, don't know. I just enjoy chatting. It's nice. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the Mindful Past podcast with Nick Day and Harry Kalimnios. We hope you found our discussion insightful and gained valuable takeaways to support you on your journey. Please, please, please do leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform and share an episode that's resonated with you with a friend or a family member who you think may also find it valuable. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to ensure you never miss a future episode. In the meantime, we'll continue exploring mindful path topics to provide you with more insights and ideas to support your personal growth. For now, thank you for your support and we look forward to bringing you the next episode of the Mindful Path Podcast real soon.